Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Support for this episode is brought to you by Chirpy Bird Health IT Consulting. Their newly released book, MIPS Manual 2020, is available on Amazon now. This book is great for practice administrators and clinicians who need to keep up with the changing healthcare laws. Welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast, where with each episode, we hear from different women experts in the health IT industry. We like to hear about what makes them tick, how they overcome challenges, work they're proud of, advice they would give to other women in health IT, and much more. I'm Joy Rios. And I'm Robin Roberts. Today, we're talking with Dr. Gita Nayer, who is the Chief Medical Officer at Greenway Health. She's also a nationally recognized leader in health IT who's taken to the front lines of the COVID-19 crisis. Today, she shares with us how her world has changed since the pandemic was declared. We've got so much respect for Dr. Nayer and her work and learned a lot from our conversation and hope you will too. So let's jump in. Thank you so much for having me on the program. Really hats off to ladies for still doing your show and finding a way to do it in this environment. I really appreciate it. It's such an interesting time as we're all working from home and we're all kind of dealing with this this global crisis. I feel like it's reminding me actually of why I went into medicine and kind of what has been my personal journey. So, you know, I would say that I, I went into medicine because I wanted to be a physician. Always have come from a medical family. My mom's a doc, my dad's a doc. Got in medical school when I was 17, was in a what they call a, a baby doc program. So you get accepted to college and medical school at the same time. This really reminds me of that because of what's going on. And that same passion is what actually led me into health tech. And I really feel so privileged right now to be able to do clinical medicine and also do my role at Greenway as the chief medical officer and scale to help my colleagues. So to be able to do it with my own hands as well as to scale for my colleagues. And that's really been my journey in my, in my career. So it was the original passion for medicine that led me to medical school. I love immunology. So I went into rheumatology. I have a personal family member who has an autoimmune disorder. So it's a big part of my journey. I think a lot of people in medicine, and you're seeing it on the TV today, right? It is a personal journey. It's a calling. And I think today now more than ever, we really have to be just so grateful to those folks, doctors, nurses, the entire care team. I I actually think that this is a really humbling time for all of us to remember that it is a care team and it's really taking dedication and passion. This is not about money, I think, for, for all of us. I think we all understand that. So 
that really was my journey. And I'll say that it's kind of all coming to light now with what's going on. So the reason I pivoted from clinical medicine into business and health tech was because there were so many instances as a physician where I would find myself knowing what to do clinically, but butting up against an administrator who told me otherwise. So I have so many stories I can share with you in that regard, but I do distinctly remember one gentleman that I saw in the emergency room, and that was kind of what pushed me to finally say, you know what, I'm signing up for that MBA. He was a frequent flyer. We'll call him John Doe for, for HIPAA reasons, but he was a frequent ER flyer is what we call them. Gentleman who had multiple chronic diseases, diabetes, hypertension, end-stage renal disease, was on dialysis. He was on one of the dialysis schedules, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And basically in my several years as a resident there, he would come in frequently after he would miss dialysis, which is not a shocker. And I would always say, look, Mr. Doe, why do you keep missing your dialysis? You know, you just get to come and, and get a visit with me after that happens. And this time, you know, I wanted to admit him as opposed to taking care of him and letting him go because I said, when I asked him this this time, because not many people had actually stopped to ask him this, right? It was this perception that he was just another person take advantage of the, of the system, He said, listen, my son works, his wife works, they have kids, I'm a burden on them. The only way I get to go to dialysis is if they pick me up and drop me off. And it's not always easy for them to do that. And I obviously felt terrible once I understood his situation and it really speaks to social determinants of health and again, what's what's going on today. And so I had decided I was going to admit him because I wanted to have him have proper social or dispo planning to ensure he got transportation, that he would not keep being this frequent flyer to the ER system. And of course, I was also a month away from finishing my residency and I thought I was the boss and I could do that. So I was visited by an administrator who said, you know, Dr. Nair, you can't do this. This doesn't meet the guidelines. This doesn't meet the criteria. And I said, Mr. Doe is going to die sooner than later. He's also going to be a lot more expensive to the system if we don't admit him. And I don't actually know when he's going to get dialysis again. The next time he comes in, he could end up in the ICU and he could actually end up passing away from an arrhythmia or something. And it didn't matter to this administrator, right? It was just doesn't meet the criteria. Patient can't stay. So that actually ended up happening to John Doe. He ended up coming back in the ICU to not get dialysis, ended up in for several days, ended up in the ICU, ended up passing. And this really speaks volumes, right? And I wish it was just one patient, right? If I had to wish, I wish it was just one, but there's so many examples of that. And that's really what motivated me to do business because I said, you know, if I could speak the language of the administrators, they understood and I understood the economics and we spoke the same language, then perhaps I could translate John Doe into numbers and I could have said it a different way. And and now when I think about what we're doing with tech and analytics, if we had had predictive analytics and I could have played it out and said, look, the cost point for John Doe right now is minimal compared to the actual burden to this hospital system when he comes back in the unit. And you guys understand what I'm saying. And um, didn't have those tools, didn't have that tool set. So that's why I went into business. And at the time I, I did my MBA we at George Washington were going through the digital revolution. We were implementing all scripts, actually. We were one of their first customers, funny enough. And um, a light went off for me because I think I was in business school and doing clinical medicine at the same time. And I said, you know, this thing, this technology thing that everyone hated at the time, I said, this thing could change medicine as we know it. It could actually improve care. We could communicate better. We could document better. We could 
bill better correctly, appropriately, we could predict things. I mean, everything that we're trying to do in, in health tech, to me, it was a no-brainer in terms of how I could impact my field at a, at a global scale or, or a bigger scale than just one-on-one patient care, right? As, as docs, there's only so many patients you can see as an individual. And when I thought about my career path, I said, gosh, if I could connect the dots between technology, business, and medicine, wow, I could really make a difference, you know? And so I really dedicated my career to that. And, and that's where I am now. And I think, if, again, I feel so privileged to have the opportunity I have at Greenway because we are doing some amazing things right now for doctors, nurses, those, the customers we have on the front lines. They are really dealing with this, right? Whether it's in the hospital or out of the hospital, everyone is being affected. We have very quickly ramped up different products to help our doctors be able to see patients with or without COVID quickly, accurately. We want them to get paid. A big part of this we all appreciate is the economics, right? And, and physicians' offices are small businesses like any other. And believe it or not, they're busier than ever and actually not getting paid or being forced to shut down, right? You have the surgeons who are used to doing elective cases now can't practice. So we as a business are trying to help them as a business and we're also trying to do all the right things just as good corporate citizens. And then myself personally as a physician, I again feel so privileged to be able to help in that regard on the technology side as well as on the clinical side. I am volunteer faculty at both FIU and University of Miami and I'm currently working the COVID-19 hotline with the medical students as well as on hospital backup reserve and um, this pandemic is very humbling, but it also really reminds me why I went into the journey that I did. And um, I think I'm doing exactly what I wanted to do. It's just kind of all intersecting in a really humbling way right now. When we talk about that intersection, tell us about how through medicine and this transition to business, and we've heard Dr. Haley Fisher write, that's part of the reason she went over to MGMA. She thought business was pulling too many levers. And you know, with a clinical background, she wanted to see how that all intersected and how she could have a bigger impact. And you have a similar calling, definitely in a more tech-heavy way, but a clear understanding of this. What are you doing? How do you bridge that gap from the physicians that want to do what they went to school for, which is to see patients, treat them, you know, have great outcomes? How do you connect that to the business side of things and then the tech side of things? Because I think there's a lot of people now that are listening and you're at Greenway and they're saying, you're working for the guy that I feel like I'm a slave to. And so how do you how do you translate that? Can you distill some of that and how you do connect those dots? Sure. I think in this environment, it's so clear. If you're doing it correctly, then it's a win-win, right? So again, as I just said, from a business to a business, right? We are a business. We obviously want to be profitable. So do our customers who are the physicians. And I, I actually think this is a perfect use case because we're saying, how do we help our customers be a trusted partner, but also keep them profitable? And I, I think being able to connect the dots and see that in any business, whether in, in medicine or otherwise, if you understand from the lens of your customer what their motivations are, what they need to do, and you appropriately support them and set them up for success, you will also be profitable as a business. I think the piece you're talking about is the overall healthcare system and how the healthcare system is broken in many yeah. ways. And, and believe me, one of the things I hope comes out of this is that we actually take the time to reset our healthcare system because it's very clear that some infrastructure investments need to be made 
it's very clear that many things that you see happening now are because the system was not set up for success, largely because part of the, much of the system has been set up without the front lines and the back end talking. Right. So this idea that telehealth was a good idea, we all knew it was a good idea. It's just you had many conflicting interests who wouldn't allow it to be at scale that you see now. Right. So it was and that's just something we have to do as a country and, and figure out. But that's way beyond, I think, my little self and person and, and what I do. I, I feel like I'm very privileged to be able to do what, what I'm doing. But I think the healthcare system is tremendously broken and we've got to reset it and understand what will work for the front lines as well as on the back end. It's okay to be a business and be able to do both. It's okay to be a win-win. There are many models out there, but in healthcare, it's complicated because the front lines is um, one of the few industries where you have the people on the front lines being run by folks who don't understand their customer, right? So even a hospital system, most people who run hospitals, they're not physician executives. They should be. I really hope that's one of the things that comes out of here. On the payer side, we have to have more people in charge who understand the front lines. And we have to actually have part of the system, even regulations and policies are being written by lawyers, compliance folks. They're not with true actual physicians that are, and nurses and the staff that that deals with this stuff. And I mean, we see it, I'm I'm looking, I'm pointing at my TV here, CNN, and it's... um, playing out in front of us. It's playing out in front of us. You know, the fact that we don't have ventilators and equipments, no one had kind of had proper planning, backup planning. I mean, a lot of it, it's, it's really, again, very humbling, very humbling. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt, but we wanted to let you know about a way you can support Hit Like a Girl podcast directly. We've partnered with patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, is a way for us to connect with our listeners and fans in a direct way and ask them to support us so we can continue creating more great content like this episode you're listening to. Patreon.com is not so much of a one-time contribution, but more like a subscription to provide support to independent creators like us. Patrons who pledge even just $2 a month give us the stability we need to continue producing podcast episodes. In return for your patronage, we're offering virtual high fives, personalized thank you notes, and even shout outs on our episodes. When you become a patron of Hit Like a Girl podcast, you're supporting our channel directly, so we won't be making podcast episodes for some viral audience or for ads. We're making them for you, our listeners. This allows us to focus on topics related to women, healthcare, and technology. With your support on Patreon.com, we're able to spend that time having meaningful conversations and doing more great work that can positively impact the lives of other women in healthcare and tech. So join us on Patreon.com, and let's make something amazing together. Can you talk to us a little bit about what's going on in the front lines and probably over the course of the last maybe three to six weeks, your life has probably changed quite a bit. Can you give us a little bit of insight around what that has felt and looked like for you? Sure. Again, the word that I keep using is is humbling because it is, uh, you know, I'll tell you that so many colleagues are reaching out to each other. We have a a new what. SAP group, a bunch of us docs that train together. It's been really beautiful in that regard that a lot of colleagues are coming together. One to say, does anyone have any PPE? <laughs> anyone happen to have a vent lying around in the garage? <laughs> There's a lot of definitely some funny jokes and memes because there is a tremendous amount of anxiety, right? There's a tremendous amount of anxiety. We're all trying to keep 
each other's heads up. We're also remembering the good times. One of my friends just sent me a picture from um, when we went to uh, our first day of residency together. And then he sent me a picture today where he's completely suited up, as he calls it, the marshmallow man from Ghostbusters, because he's a critical care doctor now. And he has to innovate someone today with... Um, with all this gear that, you know, we never did in training, you know, some of this is we, we've actually never been trained on, on many of the things that are happening today. So there's that piece to it. There's the humanity piece and, and that's beautiful. I would say in practice, what's happening, you guys already know, which is that folks are being asked to do more with, with less, whether it's protective equipment or whether it's staff, right? Because more and more healthcare workers are getting infected. And so what that means in an ER setting, an ICU setting, which are the main settings that are getting overburdened quickly, and then it backlogs into the rest of the ambulatory care space, is that when one staff member gets sick and is out, then the staff who's well is now picking up two, three, four shifts, right? Like we're turning out our staff very, very quickly. I think you see a lot of folks again that are really passionate people. They want to help. Again, it's the whole care team. It's, it's the doctors, it's the nurse, it's the techs, it's everyone working together. And they're also doing stuff they've not done before. So a little bit of learning on the fly. And then the economic constraints are real. Again, when I, I really, when we think about just our customer, I think about our customer base, you know, our, our surgeons that are now essentially on the bench, you know, can't do hip surgery, can't do their day-to-day work, trying to find a way to keep their businesses afloat. And also to add value, frankly, these are going to be the same folks that are also on, on backup for hospitals and perhaps are not the best people to do ventilator management or, or whatever it might be. So some folks are reading up. <laughs> some folks are also just securing their home plan, right? So if you're a doc and you have to go to the hospital, how do you come back home? A lot of folks are going through the garage, have a place where they're just using the bathroom no one else is. They have a whole setup for how they're taking off their clothes and making sure it's um, separate from everyone else in the family. And then, of course, folks who test positive or are concerned, many are going to hotels uh, to stay away from their families. I mean, there's nowhere else to go or staying at the hospital. A lot of people are staying at the hospital. It's scary, you know, it's it's scary and, it, and it's humbling. And I, I think we could just have to figure our way out to help. And I think it's beautiful that we're seeing telemedicine come forward. We're seeing the regulations open up on many things. It's, you know, it's wonderful. Some of the payers have come out and said they're not going to be charging patients co-pays. They're not charging treatments. So this is what I mean about the future and, and sort of the infrastructure investments we're making in a time of crisis. I think when this is over, I hope when this is over, we as an industry take a step back and start figuring out why was it set up like this in the first place? right? And how did we not see this coming? How do we also predict things like this? If we are a hospital system, if we are a doc in the ambulatory care space, how do we never let this happen again? How do we make sure this just never happens again and we are that much more prepared? I am worried about June and July when residency programs are starting up. Could you maybe end the information you're about to give us by telling us maybe what piece of information you think those folks should have is they're walking into this as frontline workers during this crisis. But please, let's talk about those learners right now. Sure. So I will tell you that I am so incredibly, again, the word is humbled by the the doctors in training because you, you also see, you know, Dr. Fauci, President Trump talking about the, the young people. 
and a lot of them being irresponsible. This group of young people are phenomenal. You know, they are saying, I want to help. How do I get out there? Graduate me early. I'm one month away, right? June, July, I'm two months away. They graduated May actually, and they matched a month ago. So they are saying, throw me in there. I'm going to be in one of the, it's, it's so, um, it's so funny. One of the, the medical students that is actually um, now working in the COVID hotline, she said, I'm going to be an ER doc in a month. And I'm sitting here, not in the ER, because I haven't technically graduated. So, you know, first of all, I, I think some of them are just so inspiring in that they want to go, go, go. And I think we really have to look at that. There's really not a good reason to hold them back. And I don't mean just the docs. I mean the medical students, the nursing students. This is a time to also be thinking about education, how long it takes, the loans that go with them. And why don't we? Why don't we in this crisis let those folks get out there and help? We clearly are going to need it. I think the other part to it is that this is a generation of doctors that has got to be asking themselves, do they make the right choice, right? So I think there are some that are also going to step back, maybe the first year medical students, the ones just starting out to say, you know, is this how doctors are, you know, is this what the profession is going to be like that we're, you know, going to be asked to see patients without equipment? We're not being set up for success. Our voices are not sort of heard, if you will, even at the highest political levels in some in some cases. So I think it's um, extraordinary humbling, but for me, I'm very inspired. I mean, I just feel really inspired to be working with the medical students. And I think that hats off to them. I also think what I have appreciated about the medical students is that it does take a special person to go in medicine. It still does, you know, and you really got to want it. You got to be dedicated and passionate. And so I feel really excited when I see them and they're just, uh, they're ready to go. They're ready to go. So God bless them. God bless everyone right now. There's there's a lot going on. So considering all of the challenges that we're currently facing, and there is a mountain of them, if you could you know, climb that mountain and not have any obstacles, we like to say if you could wave a magic wand or snap your fingers, but basically not have any issues of money being a resource, time, anything, snap your fingers and you solve a problem in healthcare, health IT, what would it be right now and why? You know, I think we really covered it earlier, which is just that we have to reset the whole system. When I think about what I can do as an individual, a colleague can do as an individual, Greenway as a company, what can Greenway do? We're all doing the best we can as companies, as individuals. I really think everyone is doing the best they can. The problem is the system. The problem is we've got so many different incentives in the wrong places and we've put so much burden also on physicians, nurses, whether it's physician burnout, whether it's the lack of interoperability, whether it's the way we're doing reporting and quality metrics and we have different regulations in healthcare. So for me, it would be a reset of the system and really what we said in the beginning, which is the win-win. There is no reason you can't put business and align it with success in medicine and take care of patients and have quality outcomes and get paid for that. That is the way it should be. And it's just not been set up that way. Yeah, I think there's definitely going to be some valuable lessons learned to carry forward out of this crisis. And it's interesting also because you're well poised and you wear a lot of hats and you're fulfilling a lot of roles, Dr. Nair. Doing that and carrying all these lessons forward and everything you do 
how the heck do you keep up in an industry that changes every single day? And, you know, times like this, sometimes even hourly from the clinical side of medicine, of course, being faculty and all of its changes when you're talking with others or mentoring other people, being on the business side and the technology how the heck do you do it? Where are you reading? So, you know, I would say that I, I don't always do it, right? I do my best. I, I think, again, so many of my colleagues, I, I learn from so many of my colleagues. Right now is a perfect example. So much is changing literally hourly, even by the minute. So, I mean, I do everything I think everyone else does, which social media can and cannot be a great source. I will tell you that's also very clearly playing out in this pandemic, but reading everything I can. Currently, the TV is behind me, so I'm getting all the alerts live. And then also, um, I will tell you on COVID, specifically on the clinical side, doing the medical grand rounds at UM, which are virtual, listening to their webinars, and just reading everything, reading everything I can. And it's uh, trade publications, it's podcasts like you guys, it's Florida Department of Health, it's uh, American College of Rheumatology, so all my clinical stuff. And on the technology side, again, all the different trade publications, everything that Hims puts out is super helpful. Chime also a great resource. So, I mean, I just try to stay up with with the industry as, as best I can in different avenues. And I would also just, again, hats off to my colleagues, everyone sharing great information all the time. And now, you know, more than ever, everyone's really saying, did you know this? Did you call out this? We're doing the same, you know, Greenways together an entire webinar series just for COVID-19 to talk about our products, how we can help our customer base, how they can stay up to date on what's going on. And as soon as we know it, we're making sure we get it in their hands. So, you know, we continue to do everything we can to stay up to date and then to share that with our customers as well as our communities, because we really are all in it together. I think that now more than ever, it feels like drinking from the fire hose, like this COVID fire hose is just like, wow, there's so much information and it is really a challenge to keep up with it all. But Dr. Nayer, if people do want to reach out with you, if they want to follow you on social media, if they want to learn about the work that you're doing, what would be the best way for them to do that? How would they get in touch? On Twitter, very easy to find me at or LinkedIn. Again, Keith and Nayer, um, I've got a Facebook page. I'm also on Instagram. So I follow you. I follow you guys. I really appreciate your podcast and what you guys are also doing. And I would just say that it's hit like a girl. It's hit like a boy. Just hit. We got to hit this hard, whatever we're doing right now. That's right. <laughs> and thank you for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. If you want to know more about us or this guest, check out our website at hitlikeagirlpod.com. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes or simply tell a friend. You can also connect with us on Twitter or Instagram at the handle HitLikeAGirlPod. Thanks again. See you soon. Thank you to Chirpy Bird Health IT Consulting. You can find out more about them at www.chirpybirdinc.com.